1: Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, Uh, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me.
0: Hello, I'm Mark Tuminelli, and welcome back to the Little Me Podcast. I hope you're following our fun Instagram over at Little Me Podcast. My guest today certainly can talk to us about growing up Broadway. She made her Broadway debut in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and by the age of 12, she became the youngest person in history to win the Broadway's historical gypsy robe when she was part of the original Broadway cast of In My Life. Her Broadway career flourished as she performed in the original Broadway cast of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 13 the Musical, The Revival of Bye Bye Birdie, and SpongeBob SquarePants. Off-Broadway, she appeared in David Bowie's Lazarus, and recently originated the role of Violet in the national tour of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Please welcome Bryn Williams. Hi, Bryn. Hi, Mark.
1: Thank you for having me. Did I get most of that right? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I was like, okay, I think I did that. I did that. It's crazy listening to it, like, all one right after the other it's one of those things that you don't appreciate until you can look back at it and yeah I used to get really embarrassed about it and like try to keep it a secret that I had done all these Broadway shows but I'm at the point now where I'm like yeah I did that that's really cool
0: you have like such an interesting story because this is not you know a lot of kids do Broadway and they do one show and it's really cute and then maybe They don't book for a minute, but you are, have really not stopped working. You are like just a powerhouse since you were a little kid. So um, talk to me about, you know, sort of how it all got started for you and that, you know, you're still here doing this and it was not just a cute kid. You are (laughs) an adult actor who's still working on Broadway and Broadway national tours. So tell me how it all kind of got cracking for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, my mom was a performer My mom danced with the New Jersey Ballet for like years and years. And um, when we moved to Maryland, um, she missed performing. And so she found this like local dinner theater where they were doing a production of Big River. And my mom went and auditioned and the director said, Oh, by the way, we're looking for someone to play Betsy, who is like the slave daughter in the show. And my mom knowing nothing about Big River said, well, I have a daughter. She's never done anything like this before, but she's cute and well-behaved. So, and, and uh, the director was like, yeah, sure, bring her in. And so my mom brought me into audition and I booked it. And um, after the show ended, like after the run was done, I just wanted to, I wanted to keep doing shows. I didn't understand that, okay, this show is done now. And I said, mom, when are we going to do our next show? And so she kept putting me in shows um, anywhere How old me, were you uh, in
0: that first Big River? Oh, How old the
1: first, in Big River, I was five. Oh my
0: God, okay. Yeah,
1: and so I was, I was really, really young. And um, in the original Broadway production of Big River, Betsy is played by a grown woman, like she's an adult. And what this director did was, um, because in the show, uh, Betsy gets sold away from her mother, whose name is like Alice, I think.
0: I think it is Alice. Good, Alice. good memory.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> and um, so Betsy gets sold away, and it's like this real traumatic. It's, it's this real traumatic thing for um, for Huck. And um, in the show, the director was like, "What if this was a kid? That would be way more impactful if it was a kid." And so it was five year old me getting torn wow. out of my you know my mom's arms, and it was like. And I I was having so much fun with it. I didn't really understand the significance of what was going on. But yeah, that role was mine. And I got to say mama, mama and cry as I like went off stage. And then um what the director did was she just kind of divvied up the songs that Betsy sang to some of like the other ensemble members and some of the other uh the other black people in the show. But it was so much fun to do and to be a part of. And um when I was eight, my mom when I was eight, I tried singing with vibrato for the first time and I sang maybe from Annie and my mom, who is, um, nothing, if not honest. And this will, I'm sure this says a lot about my personality now and the way I am as a performer, but my mom said, so I said, I got through the first three lines of the song and my mom said, stop, stop, stop. Okay. Okay. If you're going to sing with vibrato, it has to be even and it can't sound like a sheep until you can do it right. I'm sorry. You can't do it around me. And so I said, okay. And actually I think I was like seven. I was seven when that happened. And so I stopped singing around her for like two weeks and then I came back and I said, mom, listen to this. And I could do it. And I sang the first three lines again and mom goes, okay, um, now what are we going to do? And mom started looking for opportunities for me to audition in places outside that one dinner theater. So, um, All through Maryland, I I performed and she looked for like different performance groups for me to do. And then she started looking in New York and she was like, well, um, this this might be a good idea. And absolutely everybody told my mom not to do it. They all told her like the director at um, this other dinner theater that I worked at, um, relatives, they all said, don't take Brain to New York to audition. There are hundreds of thousands of talented people. What makes you think that? Brynn is going to be one of those people who makes it. And my mom's whole point, they they were like, do you really think Brynn is, you know, talented enough or cute enough? I mean, she's great. Of course you think she's great, but can she really make it to Broadway? And mom said, "Um, I don't know, but when she gets older, if she wants to audition, I don't want her to feel inadequate or like she doesn't belong. So really my mom taking me to audition in New York at open calls for Broadway shows was just... She wasn't thinking that I was going to get it. She just did it so that when I got older, if I wanted to audition in New York, I wouldn't be nervous or scared by it. And oh
0: my God, surprised
1: everyone that. when I actually booked
0: things. <laughs> so what was the first open call that you remember going to in New York?
1: The very first open call that I went to was actually right after I sang Maybe for my mom. It was for Lion King on Broadway. And we got there at five o'clock in the morning and I was number 32 Okay, that's so not bad. It's, it's like, yeah, it was, but like to get there at 5 o'clock. 5 a.m., yeah. For an audition that doesn't start until nine. And I was number 32. I mean, it was ridiculous. And um, it lasted all day. And by the end of the day, um, it was down to me and three other girls. All right, so and we on- know that you have
0: jobs. Like you're already competing pretty well at your oh, first yeah. audition.
1: And what they told me was that I was too young and too short. And so that's like, that's why I didn't get Lion King because I was too young and too short. But when I was going through the audition day, so my mom had to work that day. So my very first open call audition, she couldn't be there with me and she was devastated. So it was my grandmother and my godfather that took me. And um, I didn't know what was happening. I would go and I would sing the last 16 bars of Just Can't Wait to Be King. They taught it to us. Then they would have us sing it together. They would have like... 10 kids in a line and they would go they would say okay when we point to you you're gonna sing the next line of the song and they would just jump around the line having everybody sing one line like everybody look left next line everybody look (laughs) right next kid you know I mean it was that crazy in the beginning and then they would say okay so here's what we want to do um number 32 number 29 number 4 number 19 you guys are going to come with us in this group and uh number 7 number 20 number whatever you guys are going to go in this group and there were so many kids throughout the day that I didn't realize that the, that I never saw the kids that were in the other group again. <laughs> so I didn't realize. You slick about
0: cutting kids. kids. That's
1: good. Were, they were slick about cutting kids. And job, I, didn't, I didn't realize what was going on until um, it was maybe like, it was maybe like two in the afternoon and I said, I have to go to the bathroom. And everywhere that I went, they like had somebody who was in charge of like staying with me. It was almost like a weird bodyguard situation because I was small, even for like eight. And so I would walk, I went to the bathroom and I walked past my grandmother. My grandmother just like snatched me up in her arms. and She goes, I'm so proud of you. We can go and get ice cream. Look at how far you went. And I was like, OK, great. I, can we get ice cream? And she goes, yes, absolutely. Whatever you want. And I was like, great. I can't go yet. I have to go to the bathroom and then I have to go back. But after we can get ice cream. And she was like, yeah. Oh so here. she thought I was yes. cut. She was ready to console me. And I was like, yeah. I'm getting ice cream, but I have to finish first. And then I, I was that. like, oh, this is oh, okay. They're not being asked to stay, but it was all very much like learning on the job. And I was so comfortable. I was always oddly confident for a child i love it so
0: chitty chitty bang bang happened in what 2004 did you book that
1: i did book i booked chitty i didn't book lion king
0: no i know so lion king we didn't get because you're two tiny toonses Mm -hmm. um and then was the next big audition chitty uh
1: the next yes i believe so in between that i worked at um I did Annie at Paper Mill Playhouse. I was one of the swings there, starring a young Sarah Highland as Annie. Oh, my Weird God. Weird fact. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I did Annie, and then I was on Star Search when I was 10. And I, uh, I was working at the American Girl Play. So I, I always had, like, auditions that felt big, I guess. I mean, I was yeah. so young that they never... It never felt like a big audition. It always felt like, okay, I'm going to go in and sing and then I'm the going to get the show and that. I'm going to go to rehearsal. And <laughs> it was like, that's the way my mind, my mindset worked. My, my brain always said, well, of course I'm going to get it. Yeah, I'm going to get it. And it wasn't like I I was arrogant or I thought I was better than everyone else, but I hadn't experienced rejection for not being good enough. I got got rejected for being too small, but I was like, I can't control that. And, you know, eight year old me was like, but you knew how short I was at five o'clock in the morning. Why did I have to stay all day? Um, (laughs) But yet uh, Chitty, I actually auditioned for Chitty and Hairspray at the same time. And I booked Hairspray, but I turned it down to do Chitty.
0: Okay. Do you wish that you did something differently with that one?
1: No, because it wasn't the it wasn't the original cast of Hairspray. It was like okay. one of the replacements, and um, I and Michael really likes to be an original cast. I love an original <laughs> cast. I've never been a, re- a replacement. The closest I got to being a replacement in a show was doing the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory tour. But even but that, were, I... But you originated the tour, yeah. Yeah, I originated the yeah. tour. But um, yeah, Hairspray had already been open for like a year or so. And um, for Chitty, I got to experience all of the opening night stuff. Well, first of all, I grew up watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That was one of the yeah, things so that my mom watch. so tell me about
0: booking me watch. that show. What did it feel like to finally book a Broadway show after doing all these really great things and working at Paper Mill? And now it's like original cast of this huge Broadway musical coming in from London. <laughs>
1: So you're you are going you were going to kill me. So I was working at the American Girl place and You were in
0: the show there.
1: Yes. They yes. they used to have it's a to be theater. clear
0: listeners. She wasn't oh, yes. like doing hair of the dolls
1: or she <laughs> No, they they had a theater the on yeah. like they had a theater on the third floor of the American Girl store on like, is it on Sixth Avenue? Yeah, I went to the closing Avenue.
0: of that show,
1: like yes. the last
0: day of I don't remember what it was called, but yeah.
1: And so um, I did the American Girls review, and so I played Addie, the little black doll, of course. And um, and as I was doing um, as I was doing American Girl, first of all, it was so much fun. There were all of these girls in the cast. There were fifty girls that would like rotate okay, out yeah. each girl. Yeah. And um, what they were doing was um, there was a holiday show coming up. And so um, when I was auditioning for Chitty, I was also auditioning for the holiday show within the American Girl store. And I told my mom, I was like, (laughs) I was like, I don't really want to do it. Like talking about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I was like, "Eh, I mean, it would be fun, but I'm, I'm already doing American Girl. And she was like, Bryn, this is Broadway. And I said, I know, but it's the holiday show. Because I'm a huge Christmas person. <laughs> I <laughs> know, we're getting
0: to it. Don't <laughs> and, worry.
1: It's so my list I, to talk about you. <laughs> and so when I booked, when I booked Chitty, my mom was like, <laughs> my mom was like, Bryn, you're gonna be on Broadway. And I was like, but I had already found out that I booked the holiday show at the American Girl Place. And so I was like, Well, I can't do it if it interferes with the holiday show. And thankfully, it didn't. And so I didn't have, like, it didn't interfere. Yeah, well, so the holiday show was in, you know, October, November, December. And um, Chitty started rehearsals that, like, February. So it, like, just barely missed. It just barely missed. Okay,
0: so talk to me about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. What, uh, What do you remember about those first few rehearsals of this like huge show?
1: I I remember it just felt like, everything felt like another rehearsal to me. Um, for Chitty especially, we rehearsed at New 42, which is like this big, gorgeous rehearsal studio. And it was like brand new then. Oh yes, it was brand yeah. new, but uh, it was relatively new, but I rehearsed at New 42 for Annie at the Paper Mill. So everything that I did, it. Felt like okay, I'm in rehearsal. I'm in rehearsal, and one of the one of the girls who was in Chitty with me played Molly in Annie. And so I was like, okay, this is another show. This is fun. And so I didn't, it, it didn't, I didn't really understand the the weight of being on Broadway and the privilege of it, and and how how cool that was to get there. Um, I would. Uh, but I got there and I got into the room and there was just a different level of excitement. And I remember feeling that, like, I, I felt the same. I felt like it was another rehearsal, but just the level of anxiety through everybody else. And everybody was relaxed, but it was just heightened. The stakes
0: were very high.
1: Yes, this exactly. Yeah. There it is. That's a million that's, dollar musical. Yes, um, that's a better I, way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. The stakes were super high. And so I had... And so I got in there and then um, it was my first experience doing a show where the kids seemed to know each other from other projects. Mm -hmm. So I walked in and like three of the kids all went to the same voice teacher. And then there was another girl who who did a show with this girl. And so I walked in and they were like, I've never seen you before. And not in a mean way, just like I don't like who are you? How? What, what are you doing here? And so I started feeling for the first time I felt out of my element. And so what I, and, and I just, I, yeah, I felt out of my element. I felt a little, um, not like I didn't deserve to be there, but just, a li- I was very self-aware of the fact that it was my first Broadway show and that everything else. Like I did Annie at the paper mill, but I didn't realize how big paper mill was then. And even then I was a swing. So I didn't perform every day and, and mind of a kid, if you know, perform every day, then are you even doing the show? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it was, it was that feeling. And so what I would do was I had this camera and my way of introducing myself to people or inserting myself into situations was saying, Hey, can I take, pictures for my scrapbook and so other than that i was really 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 quiet i was so super quiet and then one day we were in rehearsals or we were in all standing in the hallway and um some of the some of the girls were showing off that they were the understudy for jemima who was the mm-hmm. the child lead and um just kind of like look oh i have a script and, and i was like mom how come I don't have a script? And one of the other girls said, Oh, well, you don't have any lines, so you probably don't need a script. They don't want to print, you know, killing trees. You don't want to kill the trees on somebody who doesn't have you don't have lines, so of course you don't need a script. Oh, right? I hate and, that girl. I hate that girl and for so, you. <laughs> and so um my mom, who who has always been queen of, of petty, um, kind of looks over at the script and it just so happens that the page that the girl has open, um in the script, there is one line and printed into printed into the script, it says Bryn Williams. And so mom was like, oh, look, Bryn has a line right there. It's printed into the script. And then we left and mom was like, wait, you have a vocal line. You have a vocal line. So I spent the entire first week being very upset that I didn't have a solo. And then um, only to discover that my solo was written into the script. So now if you go and find one of the dreaded bootlegs um <laughs> there there is a bootleg if you look up Um, the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Broadway cast. And it's Raul Esparza singing Hushabye Mountain. And at the very, very end, he sings on lullaby bay. And then there's this voice that sings, come to the fun fair. And that's me. I have an (laughs) offstage solo. And then I sing, and watch your boat on Hushabye Mountain sail far away. And it was the coolest thing to have that offstage solo. So it was, I have so many crazy and fun memories of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So like, I love Hairspray, but looking back, I would have done everything exactly the same.
0: When that show, that show had some problems during its run with the car and flying. And there was, (laughs) you know, it's like a, was a huge show and it, you know, there was a lot of buzz about it. What do you remember about that? Like things not working and how much did they tell the kids was going on
1: and things like that? Um, we always knew when things went wrong. We always, always knew. And it was mostly because we could like, mostly because uh, our dressing room was was right next to Jan Maxwell's
0: dressing room. Uh, the late, great, <laughs> incredible I... Jan
1: Maxwell. I cannot say enough about that wonderful, brilliant woman. Like, she was just a force and so yeah. funny. And so and brilliant so... in
0: that show. Yes. Like, I, can, I can see her performance, like, as if I saw it last night. It was so clear and clean and yeah. gorgeous and hilarious.
1: Yeah. She was phenomenal. And so um, when when things didn't go wrong, uh, when things didn't go right, rather, um, a lot of the time what they would do is they would, Raul Esparza and Jan Maxwell and um one other principal. So it would be like Chip Zion, who mm-hmm. is, uh, I mean, we had so many Legend. great, phenomenal, yeah. legendary people in that show. And the three of them um would go up on stage and just talk and entertain the audience when when things didn't work. So for the big things, for the big malfunctions, um. They would bring down the curtain and then send out our so our stars to go and entertain the audience until it was done. But I remember one of the biggest malfunctions that comes to my mind was um, it was the very, very, very end of the show. And everything is time to music and music. Um, the child catcher has been defeated. Spoiler alert. Apologies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the car is flying away with Jeremy, Jemima, Raul Esparza and Aaron Dilly, And um, the whole audience is singing. Oh, you pretty chitty bang bang. And it's, you know, we end fine for fendered friend. And that is the end of the show. The car is all the way upstage curtain comes down. Well, partway into the into that finale the car stops flying so it didn't drop it just it it was like everything turned off the lights turned off the wheels stopped turning it just there was there was nothing the the car just stopped and it was over the audience and erin dilly had this line where she just had to say what and she and you could hear in her voice she goes what like that (laughs) and at that point we all looked up at the car and we're like the car is not flying what do we do and so we just had to keep going and um but the the way that the machinery was we couldn't really continue with our blocking because the car had a very specific flight pattern and and we needed to not get crushed and so I remember the adults all kind of pushed the kids very gently to um towards the edge of the stage like towards the wings away from the car, the car. because i we were not sure what was going to happen and the car like reset itself So it reset back to the beginning of the flight and then it had to start the flight all over again. Oh my God. We timed that we stopped singing and the car kept flying. And so we turn and we look at, um, in the orchestra pit and, uh, Christian, uh, Kristen Blodgett, who is a wonderful music director. I love her dearly. Um, she looks at everyone and she whispers something to the orchestra and then she makes a hand hand gesture like we're gonna sing it again and so we started the whole finale over again and if you know chitty chitty bang bang it is the same melody being over and, and over same again. words over and over just oh you pretty chitty bang bang chitty chitty bang bang we love you and our i mean so just like that for like happy a half and hour. jolly yeah pretty much and oh my god it, it was the show that wouldn't end
0: Oh my God. So you, in my life was that same, like, is the next year or the same year? How it was quickly the same did you, year. Yeah. I left, so you booked that right away?
1: I left Chitty to do in my life. And that's, that's one thing that I just realized, um, like not that long ago, I booked three Broadway shows in the same year it's so nice. and performed in two of them. And so, um, (laughs) in my life, that was another one of those things where, um, I was auditioning for in my life and I was having so much fun in Chitty that I was like, mom, I'm not going to take in my life. I'm not going to leave Chitty to go and do in my life. And mom was like, yes, you are. And I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) And that was the one, like my one defiance, of you know, like towards my mom, I was like, I'm not gonna. Well, do I it. guess
0: she won because you did it.
1: Yeah, well, well, my mom played dirty because what happened was, um, in chitty or in in shows with kids in general, you know, there's a height clause, so mm-hmm. it's written in that if the kid gets taller than a certain height, then they can invoke the height clause. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, I, if you believe it, because I am now all of five foot three, but um when I was 12, I had a growth spurt. And so there are videos where you can see us singing teamwork and we all go out onto the passerelle, like onto the lip of the stage. And I am a good head taller than everybody else. And so what my mom did was mom said, listen, um, either way I am pulling you from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So you can either leave and do a show that's three blocks away or you can leave and we're going back to Maryland. And I was furious because my mom wanted me to leave on my terms. She thought it would and be not more get damaging. Tired
0: from being too tall, yeah.
1: Yeah, she thought it would be damaging to my psyche, you know, and it probably would have been. But um so she Well, was in my life damaging to your psyche? Can we talk? Let's talk about that shit. <laughs> The show that everyone on Broadway referred to as the Lemon Musical. Well, because
0: there was these huge lemons in the marquee. And
1: yeah. It was, yeah, um, we were it was a wild
0: experience So for an audience member. So I'm dying to know what it was like to be part of that historical, I mean, I can say flop musical. Um, yeah, it was
1: definitely a flop. It's so not it's a fine.
0: secret for you, Brynn. I'm sure you know.
1: <laughs> well, when I was, when I was, in when I, when I did in my life and I noticed this with like movies, um, I had never seen a show that I didn't like. I just like, I had never seen when you're a yeah. kid, you didn't, you never see a movie that you don't like. You have, you're your like, Oh my God, this movies. is the best. This is
0: my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Everything.
1: Um, but f- so for in my life, it was just, it was just a different, kind of show. I was familiar with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang because it had a movie, but in my life was an original story. And so I was like, okay, so I guess this is what completely original musicals are like. Um, it was a very, very small cast. I think there were maybe 12 people total or 13 people total, which is a huge difference from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which had a cast of 50 people oh my God. and 13 dogs. And, okay. um, so I went from this huge cast to this really, really small cast. I was back at new 42, um, rehearsing. So I'm like, oh, look, I'm back here again. And That's it's just and I thought I thought that was where all rehearsals happened and that so I didn't realize how like, that's how you knew a show had money. Like if you're rehearsing <laughs> a new 42, your show you have has money. money. You have that, you have those producers. You have those good producers.
0: Um, <laughs> now your show was pro- in my life was produced by an interesting fellow who wrote, produced and directed it.
1: Oh, Joseph he Brooks. wrote it, He produced it. He composed it. Uh, yeah. he. he it's his said, story. The only thing he didn't do was choreograph it.
0: Well, thank God,
1: because he also directed it. So, yes. yeah. Um,
0: what was he like, Joseph Brooks? What was he like to work with?
1: He was a very he was a very interesting person. Um, I because for in my life I was in the ensemble and I was understudy for Vera, who was the the child principal. Um, so I didn't really. I didn't really get to work with him. You know, he was very, very focused on, on the show and Mm -hmm. on the people who were on the stage at that moment. And it was, it was really, honestly, it was really hard for me in the beginning going to end my life because I went from having, you know, 12 other kids in the cast with me to having one other kid in the cast. And it was the girl that I was understudying and I didn't feel any kind of jealousy or, um, I didn't feel any kind of jealousy or competitiveness uh, against her, but she was always rehearsing. And so I was always sitting on the side of the room while we were in the rehearsal spaces. And so um, my whole thing was, I just want to perform. I want to be on stage. Um, But what we, so I, this one time that she had to like leave early for a press event or a doctor's appointment. There was something going on where she couldn't be there for one rehearsal. And I was so excited. And so I jumped up and I did the whole opening number with no rehearsal in the rehearsal space. And I was already off book because like, what else was I going to do? I had one character to learn. Um, (laughs) And I sang the whole opening number. And um, after I finished, um, Joe Brooks. He goes Brin, and I said yes. And he said, um, "It's raining flowers from the sky." You said skies. You did that wrong. <laughs> and I said, "Oh, okay. I'm sorry." And now, mind you, it was already up on its feet, so I was doing blocking. You like I was jumping in? Yeah. I jumped in, and I knew everything. And he zeroed in on skies. Um, but you know, I, I understood. I understood that. But it, it was very. Um, it was disheartening to me as a kid. Yeah. Because I was, you know, twelve, and so I was like, okay. And I kind of deflated a little bit. And he goes, reset from the top and try again. And I said, okay. And um, so we went back to the top and did it all the way through again. And I got it right. And at the very end of rehearsal, oh my gosh, I am going to tear up thinking about this. But at the very end of rehearsal, um, Christopher Hankey, who was the star of the show, he was just like, "I just want to take a moment and uh, acknowledge Bryn and thank her for all of her hard work. You jumped in and you were such a pro." And like the whole rehearsal room, like applauded for me. So it was, it was like my happy moment. So even though in my life was a flop. That was one of my favorite experiences because I got so close with the cast and not just the cast, but um, the backstage people, the stagehands. I spent all of my time in um, the wardrobe room Mm -hmm. with the dressers. They were the most fun and I'm still friends with a lot of them. Um, So it was a great experience. Plus it was uh, John Groff's Broadway. I was just going to
0: say Jonathan Groff was a swing in that show.
1: Yeah, he was the yeah. swing and he was the dance captain. Oh my God. And so, yeah, so I I actually never got to perform the role, but um, I spent a lot of time with Jonathan And I just, I adore him. He is the sweetest person in the world. And one one of the best people in whole business. Yeah. I I always say I I discovered Jonathan Groff because I had a huge crush on him. I had the biggest crush on him. I was 12 and he was like 19 or 20. And so I was like, when I grow up, when I turn 18, I'm going to marry Jonathan and we're going (laughs) to be really, really happy. And that was, you know, my, my thing. And so so it did not happen. (laughs) It it did not it did not happen no he he went in a different direction in a different direction he they're it's going different. in a different
0: direction yes so you, got, you got the gypsy robe in that show because you were the only member of the ensemble who had ever been in a Broadway show before yes right?
1: and I had made my <laughs> Broadway debut eight months before that and so that I still hold,
0: experience
1: yeah I still hold the record for the youngest person to ever win.
0: I love it. That is such a, what an interesting whole little weird experience to be part of in my life. And then yeah. back on Broadway again, five minutes later in the Grinch in the original mm-hmm. cast of the Grinch back with a million kids to cast yes. because they were doing like 40 shows a week or something insane mm-hmm. at the St. Was that the St. James Theater that first year?
1: Uh, that was at, it's called the Hilton theater. Uh, Oh yeah.
0: You guys were back where Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was.
1: Yeah. And so I was really (laughs) familiar with it. I knew like, I knew the backstage crew. I knew the doorman, Mr. Bill. He was amazing. Like we, I was so familiar with that. And I had like four kids, four or five kids who did Chitty with me, who were also in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So then, so being in Grinch, I got to have that experience of knowing the ropes. And also you're obsessed with Christmas. Oh yeah. That, can't forget like, about that. Christmas and like everything. Christmas holiday. is new.
0: I was just recently in like a Christmas store in Vermont and I thought of you. I was like, Brittany <laughs> would die in here. It is, it was so fun. But knowing your obsession with Christmas, I'm sure being part of the Grinch on Broadway in the original Broadway cast is like such a thrill for you.
1: It was the most fun thing ever. I I mean, it was, I think our producers were like, uh, Target was like one of our producers that first year. And um, I remember walking on stage for the first time and the way that the set was designed, it's modeled after the book. The sets and the costumes are mo- modeled very much after the original Dr. Seuss book. And in the book, the only colors are... Um, white red shades of pink and then the Grinch is green but everything else is white red and shades of pink and then like black for the outlines Mm -hmm. and I walked on stage and that was the only time that I've ever cried walking on stage because I was in i Uh, was in bill yeah and i was like i am a who it is christmas and the big number that the kids got to perform was um it's called watch a who and it's the grinch's nightmare of what christmas day is like and so we got to be we got to do this really energetic like five minute long number where we were just spazzes and it was it was the most fun i have ever had on stage oh it just looks like a blast to do that Mm -hmm. show um we
0: have to get into 2008 when you're a part of the history making broadway musical 13 so we're going <laughs> to dig into that we'll take a little break and uh, when we're back we're going to dive into 13 the musical definitely okay so it's time we have to talk about 13 first of yeah. all I was obsessed with 13. I was like, this is so good. The most unbelievably talented 12 to 15-year-olds on earth in a Broadway show with not an adult in sight. Um, And you created the role of Cassie, which is, you know, kids, that show has had a huge life. Talk to me about booking 13, what you knew about it going into it. Tell me about 13.
1: Okay, so um, going back before, a little bit before the Broadway show. So there was a reading in New York. And for that original reading, um, I left my sheet music on the train. I was coming up from the train. I was coming up on the Amtrak from Maryland. I left my sheet music on the train and um, I went into the audition room, didn't have time to go to colony music and get more sheet music. So I walked in there and me having done three Broadway shows and me with my illustrious career so far, (laughs) like um, (laughs) I walk in the room and I'm face to face with Jason Robert Brown. And I said, so I lost my sheet music. Do you mind if I sing acapella? And he goes, all right. And so I sang acapella and it wasn't great because the song that I was planning on singing had a lot of minors in it. It was, it was, um, I was singing hurt by Christina Aguilera, mm-hmm. which is like, I'm sorry for blaming you for everything. I just couldn't do. It was just very, very like crunchy. And uh-huh. with- don't sing it with the music. It, it sounds like you're completely off key. And so I did not book it. Then they had auditions for the workshop uh, for the word. No, no, no. So then they had auditions for Goodspeed.
0: Goodspeed. Yeah.
1: What happened with Goodspeed was I was in Maryland doing a high school production of Ragtime and I refused to miss rehearsal I was playing Sarah in ragtime. Good I, for you. To I was like, mom, I'm not going to miss rehearsal. And she was like, Bryn, this is an out of town run. Like, this is a director you haven't worked with. I really think you should. And now at this point I'm like 14 or so. And I was, and so my mom was l- letting me make some more of my, you know, my own decisions. Like, okay, and you were back to being you. a
0: regular kid, like mm-hmm. going, yeah. you were in between Grinch and 13, you kind of went back to being for like a yeah. minute.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I did the whole like theater camp thing. I was always homeschooled, but like I did, um I did theater camp and then I, yeah. And so I was, I was doing this high school production at an all boys school, which is how I was able to do it, being homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I was like, I'm not going to miss rehearsal. And mom was like, Bryn, you're playing Sarah. Sarah dies at the end of act one. I think you can miss one rehearsal <laughs> and I was like I don't want to and she goes all right this is on you and so when I auditioned for Broadway it had already been established and had a very successful run at good speed I had no idea I knew nothing about 13 I just knew that I messed up my first audition for it and that I refused to go to the second audition for it and I'm like why why am I doing this? I mean, I already auditioned for it once and they don't want me. Why, why do I have to go in for it again? But, um, and so I wasn't going to audition for it. I wasn't going to audition for it. But what happened was I, at the same time I was auditioning for 13, I was auditioning for um, Lily Cooper's replacement in spring awakening. Oh, and my mom was like, "Bryn, the auditions are on the same day. You might as well just go in for it. And I was like, all right, but I'm going to sing the same song. I was like, fine, I'll do it. And now, so I was auditioning for 13 and um, I was very, very nonchalant about it. I was like, okay. I mean, it wasn't that I didn't care about it. It was just, I was very, very comfortable. I was singing the songs that, that I had been, Auditioning with for a while, and I really, really, really wanted Spring Awakening. Yeah, that's that's my secret. That is my deep, dark secret <laughs> that no one knows. I wanted Spring Awakening. I wanted to be Marta in Spring Awakening. And so I would go from my from my Spring Awakening audition to my callback for Thirteen to my work session for Spring Awakening with Kim Grigsby to oh my God. Final, my dance callback <laughs> for Thirteen. To the director's callback for Spring Awakening. And this is all in in over the span of two days, if not like in the same day. Like it was a lot of bouncing back and forth for these auditions.
0: Did you hear about 13 first?
1: Um, like in terms of if like, I got it? Did you yeah,
0: did you know you had an offer for 13 while you were still waiting on Spring Awakening?
1: Um, no, I didn't. I got both of I got information for both shows at the same time. Okay. And so what happened was I booked so <laughs> my mom said, "Okay, so I have good news and bad news." And I was like, "Okay." And she goes, "Well, you booked 13." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and she goes, "But you didn't book Spring Awakening." devastated oh my god and now up until that point when mom said hey what what are you going to do if you book both which one are you going to do and I said oh it doesn't matter I'll leave it up to you guys you know like whatever (laughs) you think is best for my career I didn't realize how badly I wanted Spring Awakening until I didn't book Spring Awakening yeah because here's the other thing I had done shows where I would sit and watch other people sing And I didn't get solos other than Chitty Chitty Bang Bang where I had an offstage solo of two lines that I was very proud of and still proud of to this day. Um, I didn't get to sing. I didn't, I mean, I got to sing in the ensemble, but I didn't get to have a solo. And so I was excited for spring awakening where it is not a happy show. It's very dark and gritty. And, um, And every teenager wants to be in it. You yeah, know, that I mean, thing. it, it spring awakening was the dear Evan Hansen of, mm-hmm when I was a kid, you know? And so I I just wanted it so badly and I didn't get it. And then on top of that, I booked 13 and then I started feeling guilty because I knew that the show had a production in good speed. And so then I started feeling like I took the role away from someone else. And to make matters oh. worse, I knew the girl who did Me it, too. <laughs> you know, and I was, I was so upset. And I was like, I, I mean, I even first, I even was like, mom, if I don't take 13, will they give it to her and let her do it? Because, you know, she really wanted that Broadway debut. Yeah. And I was like, I, I feel like I don't even deserve it, you know, because I get, I'm not doing anything in it. And mom was like, well, you never know. Like, And so she gave. they made like a 13 novel. Mm-hmm. And so she got me the novel. And she was like, okay, they say you're playing Cassie, so read the book and um, see where your name pops up. Spoiler alert, the name Cassie never appears in the graphic, <laughs> or in the novel. <laughs> and so I'm like, they don't even mention my character's name in the book.
0: So when did Brand New You, which is like your big song mm-hmm. that you sang with Ariana Grande, No Big Deal, Um <laughs> That was the closing of 13, which was a number essentially for you two. How Mm -hmm. did that song come up? Did Jason write it during the rehearsal
1: process? So from what I know, it was a number that had already been written and was in the L.A. production, the the L.A. production, and then um, was taken out of the show for readings and workshops and wasn't in good speed. And he put it back into the show. But we had no idea what was going on. So, like, my first couple of rehearsals for 13, my mom. So, I remember my first, my very first 13 rehearsal afterwards, mom goes, So, Bryn, how was rehearsal? And I was like, Oh, it was good. I'm off book. And she goes, You're off book. And I was like, Yeah. And she goes, How are you off book already? And I looked her- at her completely deadpan in the face and I said, Count me in, count me out. Hi, Brett. I want a Wonder Bra. Uh, <laughs> completely <okay>. deadpan <laughs> yeah. and she was like well that's great i mean i was <laughs> just i was just very um grateful to be on broadway again but it was i i was a little disheartened at watching everybody else get to have like solos and moments to shine and i didn't get to do anything so it was two weeks into rehearsal that jason um that Jason called me into like one of the the side rooms, and he was like, "Hey, so we're thinking of putting the show, uh, the song into the show, and I just want to hear your voice, your voice on it." And so he plays "Brand New You," and he, the way that Jason teaches is very, it's very quick. He's very precise. Um, he was very patient with me, but it was an accelerated kind of thing, and I was in there with him for thirty minutes, and um, the very last was I open my eyes and just look just look look at what I found right and that was the note but because he had just taught it to me I forgot what the note was that I was supposed to sing and so I did the only thing because I didn't want I I didn't want To tell Jason Robert Brown that I forgot the note that he played (laughs) to his song, that I can't remember his song. So, what I did was, I went and just look, just look, look at what I found. And I went up and then I riffed down off of it. And I think that that's that moment where he decided to give me the very end of the song.
0: So then you were back on Broadway very quickly after that in Bye Bye Birdie. Mm-hmm. Where you played Ursula Merkel. So you had some lines and a monologue. I did,
1: but I was, <laughs> when I got cast, I wasn't cast as Ursula initially. Oh no. I was, I played, I was Nancy. And oh, what that's happened not good enough for you, was, what happened was a week into rehearsals. Um, and it was another thing. So at that point I had told my mom and my manager that I didn't want to do Broadway anymore. I was like, I, I can sing. I'm just as good as everybody else. And I can act and I can dance and I never get any lines. And I was really frustrated. And so I said, I didn't want, I didn't want to do Broadway anymore, but I did the workshop of Bye Bye Birdie. And my manager said, you know, it's not really good form to, they they've bumped you to the final callbacks. So you need to at least go and show your face so you don't anger casting. And I was like, all right. So I auditioned for it and I booked Nancy and I was like, who could have predicted this? (laughs) I'm in the ensemble. (laughs) Who could have predicted being in the ensemble again? You know, and so um, I got into rehearsals and um, a week into rehearsals, the director, Bobby Longbottom, he calls me in and he says, "Okay, Bryn, so we're auditioning second Ursula covers and I was like, really? second. <laughs> yeah, he said second Ursula covers. And I was like, really? OK, yeah, sure. And so he said I want so he had me read the Ursula monologue again and I did it. And I was like, this is so cool. And I called my mom and I was like, mom, they're they're considering me for second Ursula cover. And my mom's like, that's great. I'm like, this is this is so cool, you know, because at least I'm understudying someone because in 13, I I was the only um, I was the only girl in the show that didn't understudy someone else. I saw that like, last
0: night when I was doing some 13 dive for this interview and I was shook. So yeah. that's insane. But So
1: I didn't, uh, other than like Allie who played Patrice, Delaney who played Kendra and Liz not, who no. played Lucy. Like they were the leads. So, but um, yeah, so I didn't understudy anyone. And so I was like, I get to, I might be, I might understudy Ursula. I might get to go on one day, you know? And so she's like, that's great. So um what Robert Longbottom told me in that room was, he said, "Okay, so um, don't mention this to anyone. All will, all will, um, show itself in due time." And I was like, "A little cryptic, but okay." okay. Like, <laughs> me, just all right, sure. And immediately called my mom. They're looking like, at me for a second Ursula cover, but it's a secret. I'm not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> it's just like great. So when and did then- they tell you you were Ursula? The next day. Okay the literal next day and my strong sense of guilt kicked in and I was like but I I was like is is the other girl okay you know she is she okay and he goes there's a change and I'm very happy about that change and that was all the information I ever got about it to this day I don't know what happened or why I mean the the girl who was playing it she was a very very sweet girl she had a impressive career on her um she she was older than than the rest of us but like she looked the same age everybody else did I still have no idea why I was moved up
0: well you were brilliant it was so fun (laughs) I love my birdie it's always like (laughs) thank you such a joy I'm sure that was like so fun to do on Broadway with John Stamos oh yeah I mean were you a
1: big full house fan My sister was a Full House fan. So I knew of John Stamos, and like I knew Uncle Jesse, of course, but I didn't, um, I wasn't, I've never gotten starstruck. Starstruck. I I get starstruck over very, very specific people. I got starstruck over Bill Irwin because he played Mr. Oh, yeah, he was Mr. On Elbow's World. Yeah. Yeah. And he played Mr. McAfee. So I was starstruck over Bill Irwin. Wasn't starstruck over John Stamos until he walked into the room, and I was like, you are
0: Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Oh my yeah. god, I'm obsessed. <laughs> Okay, we have to, like, get to obsessed and quick-fire questions, but um, we have to quickly touch on these other things. So, as an adult, you're back on Broadway now Mm -hmm. in SpongeBob, the original cast of that, swinging and covering the leads and doing that show until you book the first national tour of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then you toured the world or the country and Canada with uh, (laughs) Charlie, and that was such a huge success on the road. Um, Talk to me a little bit about... uh, do, performing as an adult and maybe how hard it is for the industry to see kids once they're over 18 and, you know, sort of new entities.
1: Oh, definitely. It's, it's crazy that because I've, because I've been auditioning for New York casting directors since I was eight years old, the idea that I would then come in and audition for, you know, like the, the pregnant waitress or like, <laughs> the, you know, a, a victim of some kind. It's very, very jarring to people um so that's that's a really big um that's that's a really that's a really big hurdle so i i always say i i'm still i'm still working on being seen as a grown-up because unless i'm playing something not human Mm -hmm. i still get called in for kids and teenagers i got called in to audition for lydia in beetlejuice for for the lydia (laughs) replacement and i was like friends we know. I, I mean, I, yes. I I, I still mean, look you look great. Eights, yeah, but <laughs> like I, but I'm. Um, I mean, I always think that if a kid can play the role, they should. And and the like the um, Sophia and um, her understudy, whose name is escaping Presley. me, so talented Presley. Yeah, she's ridiculously talented. I'm a huge Presley Ryan fan. She's Presley, so great. like they're both teenagers, so. If you can have a teenager do it, let the teenager do it. It's more yeah. powerful that way and it's more authentic. You know, um but I went in and I auditioned for it and my audition went great and I didn't get it and <laughs> that's okay. But um I'm still having I'm still having trouble being seen as an adult. So my only way to play an adult is if I'm playing something inhuman like in spongebob (laughs) i love it well i know that you know that will
0: continue to get easier and easier you Mm -hmm. have such an incredible voice you're so fun to watch on stage and uh you know i just can't wait to see what's next when this is all over quarantining and you can get back (laughs) to performing because you have such an like unbelievable gift and uh, we're all lucky that you are still added and haven't you know just weren't just a child actor that you're keep, you're keeping up and moving forward and doing all the cool
1: things. Thank you. I was really fortunate that I had a mom who, um, cause I love my comfort zone mm-hmm. and my mom was always that one who said, okay, yes, you're having fun here, Hi. but let's try to see if you can have fun here, you know? And, 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 all of the experiences that I didn't want to do or that I was maybe even leery about doing um, ended up being some of the most fun and the most rewarding things that I've ever done. And I'm so, so grateful for all of them. Well, it seems like your mom
0: really took care of things and took care of you and gave you amazing opportunities. So bravo, mama. <laughs> uh, all right. What are you obsessed with right now? Give me your obsessed this week.
1: Okay, so I have been binge watching Lucifer Ooh. and um Shit's Creek yes. on Netflix I and mean, Shit's Creek just swept the Emmys. So cool. Uh, I'm only on like season 2, but I'm so 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 obsessed with that. I started um listening to Light in the Piazza because gorgeous. it's just it's just gorgeous. I listened to it when like when I was younger, but um I have a new appreciation for it. My, it's it's now one of my dream roles, and I would love to like star in the revival with Audra McDonald. Oh my, my god! My oh god! Idol. I'm like shaking right now about this idea. <laughs> yes, that's what, that's what I want. Right. I want to be in Lane the Piazza with Audra McDonald. Send it
0: out into the world. <laughs> I will buy a full price ticket for that. I'm not going to even try to get a comp. <laughs> yeah. I will. I will pay full price for that. Okay. My obsession this week is a little sad, but it's the Challenger Final Flight on Netflix. Oh, I heard about that. I'm obsessed with things that, disasters or things like that, but this is so well done. It's really beautifully done and check it out. It's only, it's five parts. It's very riveting. So Challenger Final Flight on Netflix. Okay. Bryn Williams. Yes. Ready for the Broadway Workshop quickfire questions. Yes. Go with the first thing you think about. Okay. Okay. Favorite fast food?
1: Uh McDonald's.
0: Favorite Christmas
1: ornament. Uh red bulbs. Scariest thing about touring. Uh, when you wake up and having and, and have no idea what state you're in.
0: First Broadway show you ever saw. Cats. Did you have braces? As an adult. No. <laughs> oh. um, favorite TV show of all time. Rugrats. What would your superhero power be?
1: Uh, oh, talking to animal. No, te- no, um, telepathy. Right.
0: Do you do any impressions?
1: I do a Snow White impression. Let's hear. Her. Okay, so she goes. <laughs> I'm wishing for the one I love to find me. Today, or she goes with a smile and a song. All the world seems to awaken on you, rejoicing with you. <laughs> I, I
0: legitimately have the chills between that <laughs> and you <laughs> <New> and Audrey <laughs> Channel in light of Piazza. My day's made. Can you? That's really good. Can you name one show on TLC?
1: Oh no. Wait, wait, don't they have like is is that is that like my half ton life or yeah, like, yeah, you got or it. Or like oh Dr. Pimple Popper. Yes. Love
0: Dr. Pimple Popper. Um, what do you want on your bagel? Uh
1: usually just oh, Taylor ham, egg, and cheese.
0: Favorite thing you toured with?
1: Um Oh, my uh uh the wardrobe supervisor gave me an award for um uh, for best actress with a malfunctioning um special effect so you called my tourney so i have my tourney
0: so that blow up uh, costume didn't work i'm assuming at some Not point all the time, all the
1: time. All the time.
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what i've heard from my dear friend monette who's done the show a lot as well
1: um do you have a strange stage door interaction yes um bye bye birdie this man he had come to see every single show that i was in uh so he saw Chitty in my life and how the Grinch stole Christmas and like with each passing interaction he would get a little creepier and during Birdie he was he it reached peak creepiness and he was like Brynn, you were very naughty to your parents and I was like yeah that's that's the show yeah I was directed that way and then there during Sincere I had to like. Um, the guy who played my father wrapped his arms around me and I had to like kick my legs up and I was wearing this cupcake dress and I had these white frilly shorts on underneath. And um, so I would kick my legs and you'd see the white frilly shorts and the the guy, he goes, you were very naughty to your parents. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And then he leans in and he goes, I saw your panties on stage. No. And I was like, hmm. Absolutely not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I gotta get out of here. Yeah. All right. Thank goodness for the stage door guy. Oh Henry Miller okay. <laughs> Sweating.
0: What role should Patty Lapone play in the adult version of 13? Uh
1: definitely Lucy. I mean, Patty Lapone singing It Can't Be True would be phenomenal. But it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie.
0: Uh, it would just be
1: just sultry.
0: Tell us one thing about Ariana Grande.
1: Uh, she is so hyper.
0: Would you be willing to clean a Broadway theater so you can go back to work?
1: Uh, Definitely. I would love a hazmat suit, Great. but yes.
0: Um, if you could have dinner with one person, who would it be?
1: Audra McDonald.
0: Favorite in-between show food?
1: Uh Ooh, cozy sandwich place.
0: Would you rather do 13 every night for the rest of your life or SpongeBob every night for the rest of your life?
1: Uh, what role in Spongebob? You <laughs> there can, were so many.
0: You can choose.
1: <laughs> uh, probably, probably Spongebob.
0: Great. Can you name, um, two housewives?
1: Uh, oh, wait, wait. Nene Leeks isn't she one? Yep. And, and I don't, I don't know. Okay, wait, wait. that's There's fine. There's gotta be another one. But I know Nene Leakes, cause I said what I said.
0: I said what I said. Um, can you give me one line of Sandy Cheeks?
1: Oh, um, oh, uh, oh, yes, uh, we can find a way to halt the exponential increase of pyrocraftic flow in the subterranean magma chamber. Great, thank you. The longest line. <laughs> Have you ever left a show at intermission? Never left a show at intermission, no.
0: What movie can you watch over and over again?
1: Uh, The Truman Show.
0: How many days is it? Is it let me do this again. How many days is it till Christmas?
1: Uh, it's, uh, 94 yes. hours.
0: Yes, you got it. <laughs> my God. <that laughs> was... Okay. Brynn, I'm obsessed with you. Tell the people where they can follow you and find out what you're doing. I know you're also an incredible teacher, which is how I met you working at probably Workshop. So I know you can coach with Brynn and all that, but tell people where they can find you to get in touch and get more information.
1: Yeah, definitely. You can find me on Instagram at, at @brynwill. And there are two N's in my name. So B-R-Y-N-N Will. Or on Twitter at Bryn Williams. Um, Or I also have like a fan page on Facebook. All right.
0: If any of these theater kids want to coach with you, uh, do they just drop into your DMs?
1: Yeah, drop into my DMs. I'm also one of the like hundreds of thousands of Broadway actors on Broadway Plus. All
0: right. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous. Well, Bryn, you know, I'm obsessed with you. Thank you again for being here. Um, It was such a blast to hear about your career and hear your story. And I think everyone's just going to love it. So thanks. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, you're the best! And remember, everyone, to rate and subscribe to the Little Me podcast. Follow us at Little Me Podcast on Instagram, and follow me at Mark Tumanelli on Instagram. Bye, everyone. See you next week. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dori Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network, and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm/littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at ThatTuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives.